The reading is taken from Psalm 145 and reading verses 8 to 14. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his compassion is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendour of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words, and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling, and raises up all who are bowed down. Thanks be to God. Amen. The second reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he has a demon. And the Son of Man comes eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary, and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thanks be to God for these words. Amen. I remember back nearly 20 years ago to the first ever official pastoral visit I did in the name of the Methodist Church. I went to visit a member of the congregation in the East End of London who wanted to speak with me most urgently about a very serious matter. When I got to her house and after the obligatory cup of tea, she said, I want to talk with you about the fact that there are a number of women in this church with very loose morals. Well, naturally I was only too happy to hear what she had to say on this. My mind ran right with all the possibilities of what she might then tell me. She said, you've got to sort this out, Tim. A number of them are turning up to church on a Sunday and they aren't wearing their hats to church. You can imagine the sense of disappointment I had at this. Though I was hoping for something with a bit more salaciousness or scandal attached. But there she was. They haven't worn their hats to church. For her, this was the absolute necessity. This was the golden rule for how you behave in church. 
She wouldn't have it when I suggested to her that maybe it was important that people felt free, that they felt able to worship however they wanted to, however they needed to. That's just not good enough, she said. For her, the rule book was everything. Joy and freedom to worship was secondary. She wanted respectability. She didn't want faithfulness. The backdrop of our passage for today is that Jesus is getting frustrated. He feels that he's getting nowhere in his mission because the people that are, are listening are not understanding. They're, they're not responding to his message in the way that he would like. Jesus was trying to teach those around him about the way that they should live their lives, of how to be a disciple. And he compared the way many of them lived out their faith to children who refuse to play no matter what you offer them. He cites that when John the Baptist came and by his life and teachings he challenged the easygoing ways of the people with his strict and austere method and style. The people mocked John the Baptist. And so when Jesus comes along with a relaxed manner, meeting with those who are ordinary and those who really were beyond ordinary, those on the margins, the excluded, the drunkards and the prostitutes, all of the people complained then about the bad company that he kept. He felt that he couldn't win and that God couldn't win with this generation. Because the people were very good at deciding how God would operate, that God should conform to their plans and their prejudices. And they would go out of their way to crush faith in others by imposing their own religion. You can't sit there. Gertrude sits there. You can't come in here looking like that. This is a respectable place. The minister will wait 20 seconds after the steward has read the notices before walking down the aisle and everyone must stand at that point. You, you, you must like our preference for our music and worship. Otherwise, clear off and find somewhere else. We don't want our club ruined by your sort of people. Too often, we don't want any change. And we don't want a faith that is anything more than what we are comfortable with. So, if in doubt, we lay impossible burdens on others to protect our church and our religion. And we don't care if others are excluded. This passage shows that the people of Jesus' own locality in his own time were unwilling to be challenged or changed, whatever way that challenge came to them. They were fixed in their own mindset, unable to discern the moving of God. But that wasn't just a challenge for 2,000 years ago for the people and the generation of Jesus' time the ones that he was bemoaning all those years ago. In our generations, still too often, people use their faith 
to create a religion of silly rules and rituals just to maintain a respectable club rather than as a means of allowing God to transform lives. We have sought respectability and often, let us be honest, we have defined our faith as respectability. Middle class, white, solvent, financially at least, mentally well, straight, nice. And we haven't liked diversity because that might make things a bit interesting. As we move slowly away from our present exile to a new post-COVID-19 time, are we going to be honourable to God? Will we allow God to define how the church should be and look? Are we going to have a Christian faith sheared of all of its religion? A faith which speaks to every heart, especially to those who have been excluded from the church in the past. Are we open to the moving of God's spirit in new and challenging ways within our lives, our church communities, and in the way we witness to the world. Then Jesus changes tack. He gives thanks that God has revealed himself, not to the wise, but to infants. He speaks of his intimate relationship with the Father, a reminder to any who had ears to hear, that human beings have no capacity of their own to know God. Such knowledge is a gift. Jesus tells his disciples that he and the Father are one, that he therefore has the authority of God to teach whom he chooses and what he teaches. In choosing them, Jesus is not offering a faith made a burden by complicated rules and rituals. Jesus is offering his followers a relationship with God based on love. The burdens of the Christian faith are to try to be like Christ, to take on the responsibilities of Jesus, to look at the world and our neighbour through the eyes of constant, unfailing compassion. The yoke that Jesus alludes to would have been a yoke borne by two oxen, side by side. That yoke would have in turn pulled a plough. The responsibility of establishing the kingdom of God rests with each of us sharing with Christ in the tasks to which Jesus would have us do. We are to be part of a team with Christ, not on our own, but beside him, sharing the burdens and privileges of the kingdom. Imagine what your life would be like if you removed from yourself all the anger, the prejudices, the hurts that you have bottled up inside. 
Imagine what life would be like living without the fear of judgment, or where you could not judge others, but instead viewed them as true brothers and sisters. So many have lives bogged down in fear, mistrust and worry. No wonder that we're all so weary. Jesus calls us to understand the world from his point of view. In other words, to take on his yoke. For in doing so, he assures us that our burdens will be eased. And collectively, as we reflect his light, the world will be changed. Christ's yoke is easy. His burdens are light. So, this week, and forevermore, let's stop making our faith unnecessarily complicated. Let's stop beating ourselves and others up. And let us free ourselves and those around us to just two tasks. Love God and love your neighbour as yourself. May God free us to do that this week and forevermore. Amen.